The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, today marks the one-year anniversary of six weeks to flatten the curve, so yes, that was tongue-in-cheek, and you're allowed to laugh a little bit because it's ironic, but um, here we are, and uh, we're in a series called What's Next? Um, If you're looking for a spot in Scripture to land, you can go to uh, Matthew chapter 10. Uh, If you got a Bible with you, I always encourage you, I know I say this a lot, I always encourage you to bring a Bible. Of course, if you're a young person, you use digital media, and you got an app on your phone, that works as well. Bible app, Matthew 10 is where we're going to land. Get to that here in a moment. I do want to mention that uh, I appreciate so much. We had to cancel our auction last year, and so we decided this year to move it online, and there's a lot of great items. I just encourage you to, to figure out at Grove.Church, logging into the auction. Pam, cousin, and, and Lori Nyans and a whole team have done a lot of great work of putting pieces together, and it all goes towards missions. We have missionaries all over the world that we support month by month through prayer as well as financially, and um, you can log in. There's some great things to bid on. It's going to close today, I believe, around 5 o'clock. Yeah, so encourage you to log in, uh, get signed, signed up, and, and maybe bid on a few items, uh, drive those prices up to help us raise money for missions. Amen? So, um, I was talking with my daughter the other day, this is actually a couple of weeks ago, and um, 13 years old, and she was reading something about people, adults, saying that the best years of their lives seemed to be when they were like 12, 13, 14 years old. She's 13 going, is that true? And I'm like, well, actually, yeah, I mean, it kind of is true. Anyway, no, I... I, I So I love my family, I love my kids, I love the season that we're in as a family, it's great, but let's be honest, there is something about thinking back to when you were 12 or 13 or 14, and like the biggest stress in your life was you got a flat tire on your bike and you need to get it fixed, right? Like today, it's like you're driving a car down the freeway and it breaks down, you gotta sort of pull over, and you're thinking it's gonna cost me 300 bucks in towing, I don't even know the repair bill's gonna be, like this is nuts, my life is over, you know what I mean? So 12, 13, 14, it's kind of a different world. And I remember back then, um, I grew up here in this community, and I was big into my bike. I had a bike with like pegs and the gyro and the freestyling thing and learning how to do tricks. And in fact, my very first job, I was like 13 years old, and I worked at Third Street Bike Shop. Anybody in here remember Third Street Bike Shop? Yeah, just a few of us. Um, it was my first job. It was under the table. So I would work there. I would build bikes and, and work on the store. It's actually where Third Street Books is right now. It's still there. But anyway, um, I, I would build bikes and do things there at 13, 14 years old. But he couldn't pay me. So he would actually just give me bike parts for my pay. So that's, that's how it went. But I love my bike. And we used to play a game in my neighborhood up in North Marysville called Follow the Leader. And somebody would lead on their bike and you'd have to follow them. And if they rode into somebody's yard, you'd have to do the same thing. And my neighborhood hated me. Anyway, um, and we like, you know, jumping on the curbs and different things and, you know, popping a wheelie. You've got to ride a wheelie behind you and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, how many out there have ever played follow a leader? It doesn't just have to be on a bike sometimes, just as people. But yeah, most of us. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, you're also lying. So... <laughs> We'll get to why in a moment here. But the truth is, a lot of times you and I look at the game Follow the Leader and we sort of go, Follow the Leader was a fun game as a kid. But did you know that Follow the Leader didn't stop because you were done being a kid? In fact, if I think back to when I was in high school, um, I remember when I got my driver's license, I had a 1982 four-door hatchback rust-colored Volkswagen Dasher diesel. Okay, it it was not a wonderful vehicle. It kind of got me from point A to point B, but I drove that thing so hard that that I ruined the back shocks so I could hit the gas and let off real quick and it would bounce like I had hydraulics. My friends called it the Lamborghini. 
um, because it was so bad. In fact, I go back to my yearbook and I can see in there like, hey, enjoy the Lamborghini, you know, whatever. Um, but one of my friends worked in Alaska during the summer and would make a ton of money working on a fishing boat. And he came back and he had saved up enough money to buy a, a killer Toyota 4x4, had it jacked up, put some custom rims on it. And it's like, that's the leader and I want to follow him because I want a truck like that. Now, I never got a truck like that. In fact, my next vehicle was, it was a, 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 a Datsun pickup and it was a cross between school bus color and orange. But I love that pickup. In fact, I bought it from my uncle who's sitting right here right now. I remember purchasing it actually from his mom. Um, and I love that thing, but I never got the nice Toyota pickup. The way that it goes, though, when we talk about follow leader, as an adult, it's called keeping up with the Joneses. And now we're probably a little more familiar with, oh, man, my neighbor got one of those. I got to get me one of those. Oh, my friend at work ended up doing this thing. I got to go do that thing. Oh, you know, I want to climb the ladder of success and I want the promotion like them and I want to get to where they're at someday. And it kind of is this sort of keeping up with the Joneses idea. It doesn't end simply because you exit childhood or your teen years and become a quote-unquote adult. But the problem is what happens when, when, when the leader isn't leading the right direction. It, it makes me, and forgive me for this, but it makes me think of what's going on in Hollywood. And in Hollywood, for some reason over the last few years, they've really enjoyed plastic surgery. And there's something about what's going on the last few years where whether you're male or female, you're getting this facial situation that, that like it's like put some cheek implants in there and you get these wonderful puffy, I don't know what you want, cheekbones and, and, and yet you smile and your face doesn't move. Anybody see this? And yet the first person got it and you saw them in a magazine or on a show and you're like, it doesn't even look like the same person anymore. And then what happened? Someone else got it and, someone, and now there's this whole slew of people in Hollywood where you're like, you, you just kind of don't look right. But because it seems to be the thing to do, a bunch of people went, wow, I got to go get that done too. What happens when following the leader is leading you a direction you shouldn't go? Now, the simple answer is stop following. And that's maybe what you already thought of. Like, I didn't need to come to church to hear this. Just stop following. But here's the deal. Every single one of us will choose to follow something. There's no doubt in my mind. You could say, stop following, but here's the thing. That has to be filled in by, okay, then I'm going to follow what? Sometimes we frame it in this way. We all are going to worship something. We all are going to worship someone. And now the picture starts becoming a little more clear today because you're like, I think I know where he's going with this. The challenge for you and I is this idea of it would be easy for you and I to fall into the trap of keeping up with the Joneses, of, of getting off onto a path that we shouldn't head down. And yet the answer is stop following that direction and start following Jesus. The word that you and I are more familiar with if you're a follower of Christ is the word disciple. See, if you rewind 2,000 years and you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, Jesus at times is referred to as rabbi. Now, depending on the translation of the New Testament that you might use, sometimes that word is replaced by teacher. But we're sometimes doing a disservice to the word teacher because it's easy in our context in Western culture to look at teacher as I signed up for a class. It lasted about four months. There was tests and quizzes and homework. There were midterms. There were finals. I got a grade and I was done with the class. That is not the definition of teacher we're talking about when we use the word rabbi. 
Because in Jesus' day, it wasn't uncommon for somebody to, to come along that had been trained in a certain spiritual category and they would gather people around them that would follow their teachings and they would become disciples of a certain rabbi. Jesus wasn't the only rabbi. You hear the words Pharisee and, and teachers of the law and, and these different individuals. Some of these individuals were considered rabbis. In fact, Paul in the book of Acts two different times refers to his life before Christ and he talks about being trained under the rabbi Gamaliel. So, so Paul reminds us there were rabbis all over the place, spiritual leaders that had a level of respect that other people would follow them and obey the teachings that they had to teach. So Jesus in the New Testament is referred to by the disciples as rabbi. It means you're a pupil it means that you're going to learn under a certain teacher. Jesus was a rabbi. And, and the thing was, rabbis would teach and, and have that, this following of people. And oftentimes it wasn't hundreds and thousands of people. It was usually a group. And we often say they're the 12 disciples of Jesus. And Jesus was the rabbi. But the system goes like this. A rabbi would teach their followers. Their followers would learn a certain system in the Old Testament, the system of the law. And, and what would happen is they would become astute at what they were learning and they would then go from student to becoming a rabbi that they would then gain followers to themselves. That's the system that would happen over and over and over. Makes sense, right? The difference though, when Jesus comes on the scene is that in Jesus, you have the perfect rabbi. And when it came down to it, Jesus had gathered a group of people and we called them the disciples and they were the students of the rabbi Jesus. But the catch is this, as he taught them, he was reminding them, don't rise up and become your own rabbis that gain followers after you. The system is now different and here's what I'm asking you to do. Some of you would be familiar with what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He said, go therefore and make what? Come on. Disciples. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them. Now, historically, John the Baptist and Jesus wouldn't have been the only ones performing baptisms. There were rabbis that would baptize others into following their way of life. So Jesus says, go make disciples and baptize them. Nothing new about this system, but how did he continue that phrase? In the name of? Yes, so the difference is, Jesus didn't say, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in your name, Peter, in your name, Andrew, in your name, Thomas. In your name, you, no, he, he said, go make disciples, baptizing them. In other words, representing the name, following the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what's supposed to have been happening for the last 2,000 years. And the catch, and what I want to say today is, for you and I, we are disciples. If I say I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian what I'm saying is I fall under the teaching of my rabbi, Jesus. That can sound very traditional. That can sound very Old Testament. But it is, in fact, true of you and I if we say we believe in what Jesus has done for us. He is our teacher. He is our rabbi. And we want to follow his teachings. If you're taking notes, write down Matthew chapter 23. 
Chapter 23 of Matthew, Jesus brings up what we've sometimes referred to as the seven woes. Okay, But in Matthew 23, Jesus is saying, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Woe is not a good thing. He's saying there's a problem with you and, and, and wrath is coming because of what you do. And in Matthew 23, he says a bunch of different times, the problem with you guys is you teach a bunch of stuff, but you don't do what you're supposed to be doing. The problem with you is you clean the outside, but the inside is an absolute disaster. The problem with you is you like to sit in all the nice places and everybody call you certain big titles and have people think big things of you. Woe to you because you're missing it. Now, specifically, I want you to notice how much that Jesus does not beat around the bush. Write down Matthew 23, verse 15. Listen to this one. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. He doesn't beat around the bush at all. But listen, it gets worse. You travel over land and sea to win one single convert. You put all this energy into getting disciples that follow after you as a rabbi. And the bigger problem is once they become a convert, you make them twice the son of hell as you are. I mean, that, you wonder why they wanted to kill him? Like, hey, go to Rome, see if we can get permission. We're going to crucify this guy. That's not cool. And that's what Jesus had to say. So there were rabbis that were teaching things that seemed like the right things. And Jesus said, but they're missing it. They obey certain nuances of the law, but they avoid the issues of the heart altogether. And so when we go back to when Jesus says, therefore, go make disciples, they don't need to become followers of the Pharisees. They don't need to become followers of you guys as disciples because I'm commissioning you to go lead a movement. But I don't want disciples of Peter. And I don't want disciples of Paul. And I don't want disciples of, of, of Timothy later on. What I want is you to create disciples after the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it comes back to you and to me 2,000 years later because if you say, hey, I am a Christian, I believe in what God did through Christ on the cross. We, we observe communion together in reverence, remembering the broken body, the blood that was shed. That's at the core of our faith. But it's not just remembering and leaving here and doing whatever we want to do. Do you remember when Jesus gathered the first disciples? If you've ever read the beginning of the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at the beginning in some of them, they give us a window into Jesus talking with them. And at different times, he, he would say, hey, you know, here's a guy under a tree, and no, I know who you are, I know, and he, he had some weird things to say, but why don't you come and follow me? He saw some others, Peter, and his brother, and they're out fishing, and there's this miracle performed, and Peter's like, wow, this is amazing. And what did Jesus say? Leave everything and come and follow me. And then in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is teaching the disciples. And what does he say? He says, hey, have the courage to stand for what is right. Have the courage to realize you're going to be rejected and people aren't always going to like you. Stand for those right things. Don't live in fear. But then in Matthew 10, 38, he says this. Anyone who does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Notice he said the word follow. 
What he's saying is, if you want to be my disciple, you got to take up your cross. You realize this is before he was crucified, right? Okay, that's important to remember because crucifixion was not a, 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 a torture that was from Israel. It came from the Roman Empire. And the most brutal form of torture in the Roman Empire was crucifixion. And Israel had to get permission to crucify Jesus. And yet here, before he was even crucified, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, and it was prophetic, then you got to take up your cross and follow me. Not only was he reminding the disciples how he was going to die, he was telling them, if you want to follow me, you yourselves are going to have to die. Now, this is not physical, literal death, and there are weird cults out there that take teaching like this and twist it to mean that they should crucify themselves, torture themselves. There are individuals that literally would either carry a heavy wooden cross through streets for miles and miles or on their knees bleeding like crazy or even literally physically nailing themselves to crosses as a form of crucifying their flesh. That's a complete misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying here. What he's saying is, if you say that you want to be a disciple, then if you want to follow me, you've got to die to self. You've got to die to the things that you think and that you want if they don't align with the things that I want for your life. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. And then he goes on to say, whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And there are people in the history of our world that, yes, they've died for the cause of their faith. They've been martyred for the sake of Jesus. And yeah, there's a point where for you and I, depending on the situation we would end up in, there may be a point where you've got to put your life on the line for the sake of Jesus. But Jesus is asking us to be willing to do that any day of the week in our own agenda. Any day of the year when, when what we want doesn't line up with what God wants. See, if we want to be disciples, then it's death to self and life to Jesus. That's hard. We, we, we jump into a series here, and this is part three. We've called What's Next? Like I said, I make a joke about, hey, this weird world and, and, and you know, distance and meeting and not meeting and all this stuff. What's next? Can I be honest with you? What's next? There's still vision from God that he wants us to accomplish. That if you would, would say, hey, I'm part of the Grove Church. This is my church family. We're going to do this together. I want to challenge all of us that we're in this together. But it doesn't mean that somehow we're going to wait on God's vision. But at the core, I'm telling, why do I bring this up beyond just, hey, let's talk about the details of some vision. Let me talk about this. Are you a disciple? Am I a disciple? Do I, do I find myself in that spot where I want to listen to my rabbi and follow what he had to say? And what he had to say was, if you want to be great, then be a great servant. If you want to live... Be willing to lay down your own agenda and your life for my sake. 
And then he turned it and mentioned himself. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. To give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, if you want to be a disciple, take up your cross. That's not flippant. It's not easy. It's a day-to-day challenge. And yet that's what a disciple is. Somebody willing to lay down what they believe when they read something that goes opposed to it in Scripture. What they do if it goes opposed to Scripture. Jesus says disciples lay down their lives. And I don't ever want to cheapen the message of Christ when we talk about, hey, get baptized and invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And we say it almost flippantly. And sometimes I feel guilty for that. Because after this moment in Matthew, he's gonna go on to say, it's laying down your life. He's gonna go on to talk about that. This has everything to do with, with looking through the lens of life every day through faith. Are we doing that? See, when we talk about what's next, there, there's never been a doubt in my mind for 12 years of being in this role at the Grove Church that we have a great future. I still believe that. There are moments in the last year where it can feel really hard to believe that. Can I just be transparent? Oh, Lord. And yet this burden as we begin 2021, I know we're in March now, but putting this series together going, God, you still have great things for us. You're still in the business of healing marriages. And some of you guys, man, Lord, even as we take communion, my prayer too, heal marriages, God. God, rise up a hope in the hearts of our students. I hope, and I, I hope it makes you weep when you hear that our young people are dealing with the want to end their own lives. That's not okay. I was talking with a teacher about it in the lobby earlier today. It's not okay. But you have an answer. You have the answer. You were created with a purpose. God has a destiny for you. Life is hard sometimes. And this world we live in is crazy right now. But don't think this is the epitome of it. God has more for you. That for Jesse last week, that I, I, he was sitting here earlier. Jesse last week, our youth pastor, we were going over the message last week, going over notes because I was out of town. And I said, Jesse, at the end of the day, all I want you to do is gush your passion for young people because I don't want to lose young people. I've been in ministry 21 years this year as a, as a career now. And I've had to do memorials that, that I wish I'd never had memory of. live in right now but it pains me to think that young people go I don't want to be in it anymore what do you do you begin to help them dream help them see pray with them listen to them spend time direct them think about our world guys look this isn't the end I realize it feels like it's going to hell in a handbasket. I, I get it I'm not stupid. I don't not see these things. But you and I have the light of life. You and I have a Savior that says, don't give up. 
I've believed for years the local church is a conduit of the hope of the world. Then why wouldn't I continue to dream about planning campuses? Well, yeah, but you had one in Snohomish and it all went you know, by the wayside and it's gone now. It doesn't mean we should stop. It means we try to learn and we continue to go, what does it look like to continue to plant churches and, and, and be an encouragement to churches all around? What does it look like to, to, to create space here? A year from now, there's a good chance this building might not look anything like it looks now because we want to create space for people to continue to join the family. I said a couple of weeks ago, what does it look like to think that if our young people right now get out of school when they're in school, physical school, and go home and all they have to go to is a device or, or, or a friend who gave them a little something to take and enjoy or, or whatever they do, what about a place where young people can gather, be encouraged, look at that purpose? get tutoring, somebody to talk to, an outlet of, of, of a healthy adults that, that, that want to spend that time with them. God's mission isn't over. What's next? To me, there's a ton of hope. I lead the charge, man. I'm going to figure out, God, what do I do to lead the way? But at the end of the day, I'm, the reason I go here today is because it starts with you and I being disciples. I follow in the footsteps of my rabbi that said serve, that said live generously, that said look through the lens of how can I help others? What does it mean to contribute to our world in a way that the light of Jesus shines brightly? But it's not that we just go out and do it, it's that we're disciples. And there's something in us that wells up through the Holy Spirit that compels us. You see the difference? It starts with being a disciple. Jesus, you're my rabbi. Again, old school words, I get it. But Jesus, you're my rabbi. And I desperately want to follow your example and your teaching because I believe in who you are. And I want to be a part of what you're commissioning. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When it comes to playing follow the leader, we stop following one way, but we've got to also commit to following another and that way is Jesus. Father, help us. I am as hopeful as anybody for the local church. And I love, I love this church family so much. But God, we're not gonna be guilty of sitting in a holding pattern because things are tough. We're gonna continue to dream and, and, and think and strategize and put pieces together. And it's gonna involve all of us, no doubt about it. But God, before we get ahead of ourselves, I, I want that challenge in our hearts. Am I a disciple? Or would I be more of the I click like to stuff? <laughs> that I can go through a day on social media and not even, re I don't know remember what I liked. <laughs> that we can show up here and, and, and be encouraged and we can leave and kind of just go through the motions of life. And it's, it's kind of like we just click like for you. But God, I pray you would do a deeper work in our hearts that we're committed to being disciples and not, I don't want disciples of Nick, dear Lord, help us. Not disciples of that person or that movement, but disciples of Jesus, that you are our rabbi. And while those can seem like old school words, that God, we are our lifetime students committed to following what you have to say. And I pray you would awaken something in us that begins to challenge our Monday and Tuesday and 
Wednesday that continues to challenge how we move in our daily lives individually as families, but also as a church together. That what's next is a lot of hope and a lot of life and a lot of things that we can be a part of, but not just in busyness, but because there's a passion in us to be disciples, to follow Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.